Hub, and Spoke. Audio Collective. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. A dog explains those extraneous noises of an empty house. It breathes the same air with you. It needs an occasional conversation, a hand on the back, more so than a cockatiel or a python anyway. It stays with you, even in the middle of the night, at 4 a.m., when you've woken with a harsh taste in your mouth and you're writing on a yellow legal pad in the dim light and only the crickets and the wind outside, like now. The only pets I have now, and one of them is, I, I have three kids. They're five, ten, and fifteen. Oh. And um, we have a snake that belongs to my son, who's ten, and we and, and we have a cockatiel. But a dog would be a big jump from a snake and a bird. Yeah, but you get a lot more affection from a dog than you would a bird and a, and a snake. That's right. That's right. And I think. You know, I think sometimes my kids worry that I'm lonely in the house by myself. I think they'd like me to have a dog because they would think that it would keep me company. Oh, I'm sure. They're always waiting for you. They're always happy to see you, no matter what happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, I lived with a man that beat me and held a gun on me, and I'd go to bed at night and wonder if I was going to, if that was the night was going to be my last night on earth, and, mm. you know, and, uh, I, I don't know. I I just I I just have such peace and happiness with the dogs. That, and to to spend the day, I said, if the Lord, if I knew the last the last day I had on earth, I would just want to be totally away from human beings and just let me brush my dogs and and clean my dogs. And I enjoy grooming those dogs. I can totally get lost. I mean, just. Give me a dog, a brush, and a table, and forget you know me. That's a segment of a story by Jay Allison. He was getting divorced, and he was setting up a new house for himself and for his kids, and he was thinking about getting a dog. So he decided to call a bunch of people who had dogs for sale, and he also figured, why not make a story about it? That's the kind of radio that made me want to do radio. It isn't news, and it doesn't really have a beginning, middle, or an end. But it's personal and it's surprising, and you get to fall in love with strangers, and that's what I wanted to do. I'm also pretty sure that without Jay Allison, I never would have had the nerve to get started. Jay is the founder of Transom, which inspires and encourages new independent radio producers through its website, and until recently through workshops at its home base in Woods Hole on Cape Cod. I never went to a workshop. I just listened to stories over and over again on the website, mostly in the dark, weeping. And I read articles from Transom like they were my Bible. I wanted to make stories about all the unimportant things that happened between the important things, and nobody thought that was a very good idea, except the people at Transom. Anyway, when you're listening to public radio and you hear a story that is not news, the chances are pretty good that Jay Allison had something to do with it. He produces the Moth Radio Hour. He was the curator of this, I believe. He was a founder of the Public Radio Exchange, and he started WCAI, the public radio station on Cape Cod. And he says that through all of it, he has never had a real job. I've done a bunch of 
collaborations with Jay over the years, but I'd never actually been to Transom. So I went down to the Cape to visit Jay and his family, and he took me out fishing. And then we sat on his houseboat and we talked. A lot of the time we talked about getting old and becoming irrelevant because it's my show, and lately that's what I spend a lot of time thinking about. We also talked about what radio stories can do in a time when people are inclined to hate each other or what we hope they can do. Here's Jay Allison. Uh, do you want to try a cast? No. No? Okay. Thank you, though. All right. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of like, it's like, do you like board games? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't. No, you didn't hesitate. <laughs> do you ever feel like you are... Um, that you're on the wrong shape of a bell-shaped curve somehow, and you don't... And how will you know? You how mean will, in my life? No, Career? Well, I mean, uh, creative uh, life? Creative life. That somehow, you, you you know, somebody should have made a bird call to sort of point that oh. it's time for you to get off the bus. <laughs> I Look, th- I that, that think... That's something I worry about a lot. I think I might be on the wrong side of a certain bell curve. But then I'm, like, looking for a new bell curve. Well, what about if you don't want another bell curve? I mean, what... I still got a bell curve or two in me, I think. (laughs) But, you know, not maybe limitless. It does seem embarrassing to be old and bad. You know what I mean? I don't mind being old. I could handle being occasionally bad but something about old and bad seems why do you worry about that yeah, well i worry about being old and um bad but i also worry about being old and trying to do an interview because people will not talk to you because you won't understand they'll think that you can't possibly comprehend yeah. because you're old yeah, i think people are ageist in ways that they cannot even recognize in themselves including you know me maybe huh well I don't know if I was, I I don't think I was, I think I'm better at talking to people now than I was when I was a kid. I think they maybe were better talking to me when I was a kid. Because when you're a kid interviewing people, it's like, oh, and they want to help. They And they, they like the attention. Here's this nice young person who, who's interested in me. And, but there is the concern that like, Who's this creepy old guy with a microphone who's asking me intimate questions? I'm not sure I feel comfortable with this, right? Well, I feel like I'm slipping into crazy cat lady with a microphone, which is just a particular... You know, somebody who wears a vest with too many pockets. I know exactly who you mean. And there are people in this town who are sort of pocket ladies. Um, But can you work that? I'm sure I'm going to (laughs) try. Because I think if the quality of your listening is still intense, which yours is, I mean, looking at you now, talking to you now, I can feel it. I'm going to try to eat you. (laughs) Especially when you laugh silently like that. Look like a praying mantis. Is fishing like hunting in that you sort of have to be careful who you go with? I mean, not in what, careful. In what way? Well, you I mean guess because well, you can have hunting, a really they could shoot you. Well, yeah, but also just talk too much. Oh, yeah. Or or <laughs> or be late. I I think there is the possibility of talking too much. 
I mean, it's a little weird to be out here fishing and talking right now, to be honest with you. Like, my, when I go fishing with Steve, my wife, we come back and my wife says, what did you guys talk about? And I say, fish, fish, fishing? What, what do you mean? <laughs> so are you old? Well, it depends on what you mean. Like, I, I still ride a dirt bike. But I'm fucking 70. I mean, I'm old, I guess. I don't, look, I don't feel old now, but I do... I can see the horizon. Do you know what I mean? I, I do have a feeling of, like... I'm not sure I can palm myself off as a young guy anymore. Well, you, sue, you do sit at the kids' table. I mean, there are... you. You will always sit at the kids' table, and that's just a quality. Do you mean like? Uh, I mean, there are people who are like that, and I don't know if it's juvenile or. That's if, the thing. I wonder if it's that sort of baby boomer, endless adolescence. No, it's not. It's an openness. I think. You're like, what's going on? What's going on now? What's going? What's going on over there? Like that's. That's true. Maybe that is a thing that doesn't go away. So then the question is, as old people are becoming irrelevant, that's something that is a little bit concerning, like, you know, that you will be talking in a language that nobody understands anymore, that you'll be taking a tone that is antiquated or like, oh, listen to that dear old gentleman (laughs) lost in time. (laughs) I... I do think about that. Like, is that, will this happen? Is it happening? Has it happened? (laughs) I don't know for sure. Listen. My parents punished me so many times because I lied. Well, I was home one day and I tripped over my brother. Why? Okay, I don't tell anybody this. I jumped over my brother's chair. I jumped. You did? Yeah. You lied to me? I told you I jumped. No, you didn't. I told you the first day I got my crutches. No, you did not. Oh. I crave dead air on the radio. I just want something Mm. to happen. I just want to feel like we're all listening at the same time, because that's what's happening. We're all listening at the same time. But... You need to be reminded of that sometimes by something surprising happening. Yeah. Our little radio station here that I founded years ago, um, we do these things called sonic IDs. They're like little 30 and 60 second breaks all day long in the interstitial time. And they're just little portraits of people doing nothing, little, little memories or overheard conversations or tiny histories or... Whatever it is, people just living right here and um, talking about their lives in that moment. I think they have a wonderfully subversive effect because all the time you just feel the thread running through the broadcast day of the voices of your neighbors who, who you don't know, but you, then now you know them a little bit. Um, we had a wonderful guy who was a birder, Vern Locks. He was kind of a famous birder. So during All Things Considered, there was a rare falcon on the vineyard, and Vern just called the station. 
interrupted all things considered got on the phone with the host and said i'm driving out uh, uh, you know to uh, uh where was he going uh i don't know the, the gay head and i think the bird is there hold on a second and and um uh, it was happening live it was completely random and it was like so genuine and so of the place and like i thought okay this is my favorite radio thing i'm so glad to have started this radio station so that this could happen right now and everything else in the world went away for a second you were right there with him and right here where we live and he was your neighbor and you felt good i mean how do you win in this game you mean they're chasing them yeah you don't we are less and less encouraged to all be one but to be absolutely opposed to one another and to hate each other in in this country that we all share in this neighborhood right over there in those houses mm -hmm. there are probably people who hate people a, a, a block away and uh I do have an urgent feeling about that, like yeah. we have to keep working. I don't know what else to do uh, other than take up arms. And I'm not like a, I'm not like a fighting person. That's not my that would not be my thing. You know, I don't think that's a good answer to this problem. And, but it does seem like it's one or the other that it's either. Well, if you, if you can't do one. It's, and some people, I, I think, are these days are are they're past listening, they're past understanding, they're past forgiving, and reconciling, and they just want to go to the fighting. Um, but what's so r remarkable is that if you have a thirteen-second exchange with someone in the grocery store, who's deeply unlike you about the school play tomorrow night, are you going? All of that dissipates, mm. almost all. I mean, essentially, you won't shoot the person if you talk about the school play. I, I can't kill that person if they're planning to go to the play on Thursday night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are what are all these? These are all these are um, all the cupcakes. They're one in the same as the except I have two in there that are um, a chocolate cream frosting. A front yard bake sale in Falmouth. And then I have some uh, blueberry vanilla cookies, mm. and I also have chocolate chip with walnuts. Damn, now I'm torn. Uh, the chocolate chip cookies are the ones I like the best. Do you think, or would you, or would you like one of these? It's or a whatever, which, that's why I asked whichever was the cheapest. Oh, no, no. I'm going to give it to you. Okay. I'm going to give it to you. I'll just... What would you like? I'll just have the cookies. Pick, pick out what you like. I'll just have the... These are the chocolate chip cookies yeah, over here. Yeah, I'll get here. that. I'll get that. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's from me. Okay, thank you. You have a good day. Okay. You're listening to the Cape and Islands NPR stations. You talk a lot about um, the importance of local... As a presence in radio, why? Why does it matter? Well, I mean, America is a rather amorphous concept, you know, like Americans believe. What the hell are you talking about? But a t town needs this to happen in order to have a good life here that we can all agree on. I mean, that is sensible as an organizing 
body, a town, a village, a community. You get much bigger than that, and suddenly you're back to the America, you know, because it's too... I don't think you see or feel the shared destiny. And, you know, the, the two islands here, we can see them right there, Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket, further away. Anything that we do to this environment, we're gonna, it will have an impact on us any way we behave. I mean, I think there's great lessons to learn from islands because they're, well, they're insular. I had friends who helped me get the radio station started actually once upon a time, but they moved from New York to Martha's Vineyard. And the, the woman in this couple said to me, on an island, you have to be nice to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, you know, this person was talking about like casual meanness and rudeness and all that. Like that stuff sticks and it will follow you. And they moved, they had to move. So, uh, yeah, you have to be nice to everybody. Yeah, no, that that is uh, that's a high stakes. Yeah. If you flip the bird in a small town, forget it. Forget You're in it. trouble. I mean, I don't want to sound. Um, apocalyptic, but the reason we're talking about town or and village is that that's what we can save now. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe it's all that we could ever save. Next, we have a poem. It's from a listener. He called it into our listener line. It's about firefighters. We'll play it for you now. This is Colin Williams in New Bedford with a salute to the firefighters northeast, south, and west of and in New York City through WCAI and NAN, September 2001. You know who my heroes is? The fire guys is. The guys that go in. They're the guys that run up out front, climb up and go in, walk, talk, and do work. They are the dogs that see in the dark. They are the medics first to go in, the team on the field, the rescue and fight, the muscle and light, saviors of hope. They are the soldiers protect me best. They are the rain that put the fire out. They are the guys good to send in. They are the ones we need to save us. Brothers or sisters, fathers and sons, they are the guys my heroes is. That poem was written and phoned into us by Colin Williams from New Bedford. We called him up. He's a manufacturer of materials for fishing nets made from recycled tires. And we liked his poem so much, we're going to play it again. You know who my heroes is? The fire guys is. The guys that go in. They're the guys that run up out front, climb up and go in, walk, talk, and do work. They are the dogs that see in the dark. They are the medics first to go in, the team on the field, the rescue and fight, the muscle and light, saviors of hope. They are the soldiers protect me best. They are the rain that put the fire out. They are the guys good to send in. They are the ones we need to save us. Brothers or sisters, fathers and sons, they are the guys my heroes is. I was bred on the idea of America as, you know, every 
beautiful myth about America I subscribed to. Totally loved it. <laughs> of course, I'm a white guy, came from relative advantage. Things are easy. You know, it's easy to feel that way. But then you asked about the mission of... I got into public radio because of that, because I thought this is a way I can pitch into that idea of a great country, a great country that values education, a great country that uh, it wants to lift all boats, that it cares about people who are in trouble, who wants to redress the wrongs of the past. All these things. I thought, that's it, right? I'm signing up for that, you know. And What was the song that goes with that? I don't know. Those are the lyrics. Okay, I liked that. Okay, keep going. <laughs> um, and I'm reluctant to see that dreamy, those dreamy thoughts about America fade or be a, a lie or have us not live up to them. I'm, I'm really upset about it. And I feel like all I can do is keep doing the work I do to try to create a sense of common humanity and common endeavor and, uh, you know, a poetic connection to ideals because, you know, I'm still an idealist. I mean, we're talking about being old. Maybe you get old when you're, when you no longer cling to your ideals. And I, I'm really reluctant to give mine up because they're lovely and they're embracing and they pertain to my community, my neighborhood and my country and the planet. And what else are you going to do? Which way do you want to live? You got a fish. You got a fish. Get your tip up. Get your tip up. Yeah, that's good. You got it. Take it easy. You don't have to reel fast. Just keep pressure on. Okay, I'm starting That was Jay Allison. There are links to his work and to Transom and to the radio station WCAI on my website, uh, which is rumblestripvermont.com. And this is Milo, Jay's 11-year-old son, playing guitar before a beautiful dinner that involved bluefish, which I caught and was prepared to perfection by Melissa Allison. If you have a comment on the show, just go to the uh, website and go to the show page and scroll to the bottom and you'll see a comment box there. And uh, if you have a minute to make a comment on Apple Podcasts, that would be great because that, uh, I am told, helps new listeners find the show. I also want to thank Tobin Anderson and Amelia Meath and Scott Carrier and Vicki Merrick for their big help on this show. Rumble Strip is a proud member of Hub and Spoke, a collective of independent podcasts. This week, I want to recommend my friend Tamar's show, The Lonely Palette, in which she talks about paintings in a way that is smart and passionate and not scary or boring. It's really good. And in her last episode, she talks about Caravaggio's The Crucifixion of St. Andrew, um, and she tries not to swoon. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>